and welcome to episode 11 of Cerebrum Capital, the podcast where we look deeper into our own human nature as well as ourselves to learn more about our everyday lives and in some cases the problems that we face in our everyday lives. Um, in this episode, we're going to be looking at something a little bit different from what we normally look at because as you may know, if you're a regular listener of this podcast, um, uh, I try to cover a wide range of topics within neuroscience ranging from cognitive to behavioral and just in general, how neuroscience works in the real world. Um, today, I thought we could take a deeper, deeper dive into the more physiological, biological side of neuroscience and look at the topic of concussions. And you know, I'm sure many of you might be somewhat aware of what a concussion is and may even have had it before. So I think it'd be useful to take a deeper dive, look more closely at how a concussion affects us and perhaps some of the symptoms and how it really occurs within our brains itself. So firstly, let me start off with just a general overview of what a concussion is. Um, you know, if you've ever fallen on your head before, you may have felt that familiar electric feeling running through your spine and through your back and through your body as a whole. And um, often falling on your head is associated with feeling very confused and maybe even feeling quite dazed. Um, and with this, it's often a familiar feeling because a concussion can happen to just about anyone. Um, and there's no boundary to age, uh, race, or any any other sort of um, external factor. A concussion can quite literally happen to anyone that has the ability to fall. Um, so we see it most commonly in the sports industry, where people injured themselves in contact sports like rugby and American football, and perhaps most obviously sports like boxing, where people suffer direct head injury, direct head trauma. Um, so because of this brain-centered focus, where the injury of a concussion is focused on the brain is classified as a mild traumatic brain injury. And you might think that a concussion occurs when we smash our head or hit our head very hardly against the surface, which essentially squashes our brain. Um, that's not necessarily how a concussion occurs. When you hit your head on a hard surface, what happens is the brain within our skull is thrown in a whipping motion. It rocks back and forth and this causes the brain to be shook very quickly. Um, this is what contributes to the, towards that confused feeling that you may be aware of if you've had a concussion before. That confused feeling occurs because of the uh, rocking motion that occurs in our brain during a, uh, a concussion. So other than feeling dazed, confused, and that electric feeling, which I briefly described, uh, the symptoms of a concussion can vary uh, very widely dependent on the severity of injury. Some people may lose consciousness at the worst end of the spectrum, but overall, uh, most people can suffer symptoms including headache, memory loss, um, confusion, dizziness, some trouble walking and having some sort of balance, and sometimes some sort of sensitivity to light. And um, often a concussion may be accompanied with a back or a spine injury. This is especially prevalent during sports-related concussions because someone might fall at a, uh, at a wrong angle and accompanied with the concussion will be a back or a spine injury. We say that the spine is a housing for nerves associated with our brain and our fingers and all the other parts of our body where the nerves are connected to. So, so it is important that if you do think someone has injured their spine along with a concussion, that you do not move them. You try to keep them as still as possible and um, call for medical help. So uh, those are essentially the symptoms of a concussion. Now let's take a quicker look into the diagnosis process of a concussion. Um, just basically a bit of background on what doctors look for 
and why they look for these things um, in the event that a concussion has occurred. So other than asking about the details of the injury, a doctor may utilize accompanying scans like an MRI or CT to check for serious injuries. Uh, like I said earlier, a concussion can be accompanied with a back or a spine injury. So the doctor uses an MRI or a CT to check and make sure that you haven't had uh, any severe nerve damage, any severe nerve injuries in your back or your spine. This allows them to treat you without um, causing worse problems to occur. Essentially, the MRI or CT, as you're most probably aware of, maps out your brain and the other areas like your spine so the doctor can tell where the injury has occurred. And in serious cases where a seizure has occurred, a doctor may use an electroencephalogram to view the brain activity as well. Um, so another symptom of a concussion is a, indeed a seizure. So if that has occurred, your doctor will use the electroencephalogram to see, to see if your brain activity has been affected at all. Um, and you may have noticed in movies and medical dramas that doctors sometimes check for eye movement. This is just to verify how the brain is responding to stimuli like light after the concussion. Um, some people have become very oversensitive to sound, noise, um, light after a concussion because of the injuries to the brain. So the doctor just wants to make sure that uh, your brain is still, still responding normally to stimuli like light. Um, and the doctor's more or less just ensuring that the brain function has been preserved, preserved and the eye as a whole is still working and responding normally. Um, after the diagnosis, obviously there's treatment and recovery for a concussion. Um, you know, it's fairly simple in most cases, a standalone concussion can be cured simply with a lot of rest, not moving too much, and just an avoidance of strenuous physical activity. But because as I mentioned earlier, concussion may sometimes accompany a host of other injuries like a spine injury, a back injury, or a neck injury, um, these complications can cause swelling in the brain or maybe accompanied by swelling in the brain, in which case a doctor might have to resort to surgery. But most importantly, um, when we talk about a concussion, it's important that you call for medical aid as quickly as possible and um, ensure that you don't move the person as much because you might not know if they, do, you might not know if they have a neck or a back injury. Um, and of course, as in any situation, remain calm when someone has suffered a head injury and seek medical aid as soon as possible, just to rule out any complications as the earlier, as I mentioned earlier. Um, so yeah, you know, this was a fairly short episode. It's just to give you a bit of insight into what to look for in the case of a concussion and essentially what happens within our brains during a concussion. Um, you know, it's very important. I feel it's very important to, to know about things like this, just to just as some background information so that you don't injure a person that has had a concussion further and uh, don't essentially make the situation worse. So I know this episode is not as neuroscience themed as usual. I may have delved a bit more into the medical side of things, but I feel it was important to cover a topic like this because simply because concussions are relatively common and it's important to know how, how it occurs so that we can help the people around us. Um, thank you very much for listening and do tune in to the next episode.